Hello, and welcome to the Organizing for Change podcast. The goal of this podcast is to equip coalitions, organizations, and individuals to bring change to their communities. The host of the Organizing for Change podcast is the coalition coordinator for Avon, Massachusetts, Amanda Decker. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Organizing for Change podcast, where our goal is to equip coalitions, organizations, and individuals to bring change to their community. I can't believe it, but this is episode 20 already. And today you're going to hear my interview with Nick Adams. But before that, I just wanted to thank all of you who have been listening. We now have listeners in every state except for North and South Dakota and in 17 countries. So if you know someone in North or South Dakota, please share an episode. Also, if you find any of our other episodes helpful, please help us get the word out and share this podcast on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. We really appreciate you and all of your support. So in this episode, I was able to interview Nick Adams. He is the Planning and Implementation Grant Coordinator for the Minnesota Department of Human Services Alcohol and Drug Abuse Division. Nick is a young professional and a native of Minnesota. He wanted to make a difference in his community. So after interning with a local nonprofit in college, he was exposed to the Department of Human Services Alcohol Drug Abuse Division, and he secured a job working to reduce underage drinking. I met Nick this summer at the Positive Community Norms Training Conference in Montana. Nick and I talked quite a bit about the summit and what we learned, and one of the most fascinating pieces we discussed is the newly released Adverse Childhood Experiences with Hope study, which details how positive experiences can foster healthy childhood development despite the adversity common in so many families. I think you're all in for a real treat. So without further ado, my interview with Nick Adams. Hey, Nick. Well, welcome to the Organizing for Change podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Hello, Amanda. Happy to be with you. Yeah, so Nick and I met at the Positive Community Norms Conference in lovely Montana, and uh, I'll have Nick talk a little bit about that in a minute. But Nick, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in this kind of work, kind of your background. Yeah, so I was born and raised in northern Minnesota. Um, I graduated high school all the way back in 2010, uh, and I ended up, I was an athlete at the time, um, if you can believe that, uh, and I ended up um, kind of maxing out my athletic career. I, I got a bunch of concussions, and I really needed to reassert what direction I wanted to take my life. Um, so I, I majored in English, communications, and I also studied a lot of philosophy, um, and that, that really got me interested in, in how I could positively impact my community. Um, because I studied abroad to see, you know, different parts of the world sure. and also lived up in Washington for a period, um, it, it really got me interested in how can I bring everything that I've learned and seen from out here, how can I bring that home? Yeah, so because I had to kind of reevaluate um, what direction I was going to be heading in my life, those experiences of, of studying abroad and, and living out in Washington and just I, I kept asking myself, how can I bring this home and have an impact you know, on a smaller scale in my community? How can, I, how can I apply what I've learned and what I've seen to the people who matter most to me back home? Sure. And then you kind of came across this opportunity. 
So, yeah, and, and I actually I took an internship with a local nonprofit um, for a short period of time. Um, and, and this opportunity with, with Minnesota DHS kind of popped up um, in this um, planning and implementation grant that came to Grand Rapids. And I jumped on it. It, it. it seemed like something that I'd be interested in. I didn't know a lot about it. But the more I learned, the more interested I became. And, and I, luckily, I, I fell into the role. That's awesome. And then for our listeners who don't know what DHS is, do you want to DHS Yeah, so is? Minnesota Department of Human Services. Okay. So then um, and, got... and actually, yeah, I, I started working with the Alcohol and Drug Abuse Division. Okay. Um, and, and they give out a series of grants every five years. And the main goal of these grants is to reduce and delay underage alcohol use. Okay. That and one sense. of the main ways that we do that is by implementing, as you referenced, uh, peace and or positive community norms in our communities. Uh, so now, had the coalition already heard of positive community norms, or did you bring that into the coalition? So I'm I'm very fortunate. Um, just up the road from us, um, and and maybe you heard me mention this out in Montana. Um, they were actually awarded this same grant eight years ago, okay. and over the next five years, using positive community norms and various other strategies they were able to cut underage drinking in half. Now that's just 15 miles down the road and people around here had heard of it, obviously didn't understand it, but heard and saw what it did for Deer River just up the road. Mm -hmm. So I was lucky in our community, we had a little bit of a head start and a little bit of an understanding of, of some of the possibilities. Sure. And then when you're talking about cutting underage drinking, so for people who don't understand what positive community norms is, if you want to give people a little overview of what Jeff Lincolnback does, kind of the whole theory of positive community norms, and then we'll talk a little bit about the practical application, how that kind of pans out in communities. Absolutely. So it, it sounds like specifically we would like to talk about positive community norms, but I should say that, that the PCN or positive community norms framework falls within this, this larger line of thinking, this, this science of the positive. Um, but we deal most specifically with, with PCN. And basically what that is, is it's the opposite of deficit models. Mm-hmm. And if, if, you were, if you were raised in a, you know, an older DARE program or you know, many different forms of, of public health, a lot of times what they're working out of are, are deficit models. And that's, that's always talking about you know, the 17% or the few and it's saying don't be like them, right? What positive community norms really aims to do is grow the positive. So it really focuses on the majority. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, in our data, and, and what we spend a lot of time talking about, is that we have 83% of our high school students who aren't using alcohol in a typical month. That's a positive thing. We want to grow it. And Dr. Linkenbach says it best. If you want health, you got to promote health. Mm-hmm. If you want illness then you, you promote illness, which is what we've been doing for years and years, right? That's why this framework is so exciting for me and, and my community because it really it starts to, to shed light on so many things in a more positive way. Absolutely. You get to look at the world through a, be, a, a more positive lens. Yeah. I, I love to phrase it to um, folks in our community is that if you're a young person, we always tell them, like, uh, I think there was that – picture that we all saw back in the 80s and 90s of the one little fish swimming against all the other fish and the little slogan one. on the bottom that's like don't be like everybody else and the poor kid is thinking I want to be like everybody else and so <laughs> right. when we let them know hey guess what a lot of young people are making great decisions it's okay to 
join that group. Um, it gives them permission to say, hey, I, I fit in. I, you know, found my group of people and I have permission Absolutely. to make a healthy, a healthy choice. I don't feel like oh, I'll be the odd one out and the only person in the crowd who's doing the right thing because nobody else is going to do it. And um, the truth is, if you stand up and do it, a lot of other people are doing it. They're just not walking around saying, hey, look how healthy I am. Well said. Well said. Yeah. So tell me about some of the things that you've been doing uh, in your community to reflect positive community norms and kind of some of the strategies that you've been able to implement. Well, some of the baseline stuff, I mean, obviously, you have a lot of data collection that you need to do, right? Um, so, I mean, coming out of the gates and, and, you know, as a coalition and as a grant, we're entering our third year here. So, so far, we, we've conducted a student survey and we've conducted a parent survey. And what's really exciting for us is now we really get to juxtapose those two different sets of data and we get to show where there's big gaps in perception. So, for instance, we have, you know, 83% of kids who aren't drinking, but we have 71% of parents who think most kids are. That is a great message to say, mm -hmm. parents, wake up here, look what's going on for real. This is what's actually happening in our community, and look at what, what you as a group are thinking. So let's have that conversation. You know, let's talk about that. Talk with your kids. Talk with their friends. Talk with other parents. Let's clear this up because, as we know, perceptions become behaviors. Whether that's a misperception or a correct perception, it eventually becomes a behavior. So we're really, like I said, out of the gates like this, we're really focusing on correcting those baseline perceptions and really trying to gain people's trust with, with our image, you know, as a coalition. Because we're brand new to the community, people didn't know who we were. And, and I like to share this because it's so interesting. So our, our logo, when it first was released, people were thinking that we were a dirt biking team <laughs> because it looks like mud being spun in the air. Um, there, I was told by multiple people that we were a pro-referendum group because our school district was trying to launch a referendum during the time. Yeah. So it's amazing, you know, when you come out of the gates like that, uh, how difficult it is to tap in. And, and I think that's where, you know, when I was out in Montana and, and speaking out there, the patience is so important. Mm. Got to be patient with this because this doesn't happen overnight. Sure. I like to to let people know you got to really make sure that you're looking through every lens because we sometimes can get kind of caught up in our own work and we have we think everybody understands what we're trying to do and we think everybody obviously can see that the logo is whatever but I I love that you get feedback from your community and you're out there talking to people. I think that's so powerful to find out, you know, what are they hearing and what are they perceiving because multiple lenses really does help when it comes to this work, um, really paint the picture of what's actually happening. It's so important, especially when you look at coalition building. Sure. Um, for the longest time, I was, I was a little frustrated with, you know, why can't you kind of get on this bandwagon? This is good, exciting stuff. We know it works. It's proven. And, you know, when you're talking to probation, remember, you're talking to someone who's, who's dealing with some serious issues and some people who are really struggling. Um, when you're talking with law enforcement, you're talking about people who are seeing tough things to see on a daily basis and dealing with very, situation, very serious situations. So it's just it's important to remember, you know, it's one thing when you're talking with a tight-knit coalition and, and, and they understand everything you're, you know, you're getting at. 
But man, when you're talking to the community at large and when you're talking to people from different sectors, it's important to just slow down and, and you know, really start from scratch. That's such good advice. I was thinking of something Dr. Lankaback said too that really got me. So there's a study out there. Uh, it's called the ACEs study, uh, Adverse Child Effects Study. And basically what they did as uh, a bunch of researchers looked at things that can happen to you in your childhood and um, identified those with later on um, because so many of these things happen to a young child, they would have negative effects like substance use disorder or high blood pressure. There's just a whole host of health issues that you were more likely to have later on because of these traumatic things that happened to you when you were young. And Dr. Lincoln Mack brought in, I want to say his name is Dr. Sagi. Bob Sagi. Yeah, amazing. Uh, do you want to just talk a little bit about what uh, his findings were and just how we can look at the ACEs study uh, in a different way. Yeah, so the ACEs study was, I mean, really, really groundbreaking. Um, and, and I think you did a good job of explaining, you know, the adverse childhood experiences and the negative effects that those experiences had on them health-wise later in life. Um, but but what, what Dr. Linkenbach and Dr. Segi and, and the rest of their team and Man, it would take me 20 minutes to probably just name off the rest of their team. But, but what their team started realizing and started saying and then started researching is that, man, if you're only looking at the adverse experiences, you're only telling half the story. Mm-hmm. You also need to look at the positive experiences that kids, that kids go through. Um, and what they found when they did that is that those positive experiences can actually balance out a lot of the negative experiences that a child goes through. So if a kid has a, a four ACEs score and a five HOPE, which is healthy outcomes of positive experiences score, then they're actually more likely to have less health problems because they had more positive experiences than negative experiences. And I think that's revolutionary just in my mind. Like we all know that there's certain things that we should be doing to promote health in young people's lives, but realizing that if a young person does have a high ACEs score, there's so much hope still for them. And to be able to introduce some of these uh, things or make sure that you look at that sector of young people and say, are they getting these positive experiences? And um, for me, that offered me a lot of hope because I think sometimes when you hear a young person has a high ACEs score, it's kind of like, ah, all right, well, they're doomed to have substance use disorder and heart failure and all these plethora of things. And I think even for the person themselves, uh, it gives them hope to realize, oh, wow, well, I did have this negative thing happen, but let's build in some positive things now um, and really focus right. on Right. Can you imagine being someone with a really high ACEs score and not knowing that the HOPE study was out there and basically them saying that here are the long, here's the long list of health problems that's coming your way, mm-hmm. and there's no answer to that. There, there's no fixing it. You just have to accept it. Now, with the HOPE study and, and with all of the, you know, the positive research out there, man, that, that's encouraging. It's like, holy smokes, I, I had a great mentor when I was a kid, and I had a lot of good times with that person. Chalk one up for HOPE, you know, yeah. and you can go down the list. And, yeah, I just I love that concept of balancing the story because, and, and Dr. Lankenbach talks about it all the time, it, it's all about balancing hope and concern in our work, right? You've got to balance things out. And if you're only looking at the concern, you're blinded. If you're only looking at the hope, you're blinded. Mm-hmm. You've got you've to have context to both sides. 
Yeah, I love that. I think one of the exercises that uh, he had us do was to role play a little bit. And so we're asked to role play a case study of, I think it was a mom who had been in recovery for two years and found out, just found out she had a really high ACEs score. And um, she also had a two-year-old son. And she was just worried that because she had a high ACEs score, she would pass those things down to her child. Then we were asked kind of what would we say. And one of the things that just really struck me is uh, one of the folks in the audience said, I would start off by telling her, you know, one great thing is you've been sober the entire time, uh, your your child's entire life. And that to me that was, was just, a powerful wow. moment, isn't it? Yeah. And just yeah, how I to remember say that. that. Yeah, how to say that to somebody and just for them to immediately feel like, wow, I, I can do this. Another thing that I heard that I would love to talk about too is um, – Going back to the social norms piece and kind of sure. the talking about telling people the story of the positive, he also talked about how it's important to talk about um, to to f- correctly frame the work that you do. And he did a study with uh, I think it was people using a lot of electricity and how they were trying to get the folks that had really high electricity rates to use less energy. And the folks yeah. that were already using little energy to stay that way. And uh, he said some powerful things around that. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and um, how they helped um, folks lower their use, but also helped folks not increase their use either? Absolutely. So so framing is something that, that I spend a lot of time talking about with, with my media consultant and with the Montana Institute team. It's very important so that you don't have a negative outcome. So I'll give you an example, and, and I'm not going to use the electricity one just because I, I speak the underage substance abuse a yeah, little sure. bit, a little bit more fluently. Sure. Um, so, so let's say that all we're doing is we're saying to the kids in, in given high school, high school X, um, that 86% of kids are not drinking, right? Or 86% of kids are not drinking um, monthly, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to get some kids who are never drinking who are going to say, man, I must be missing the boat on this. Right. You've got, right. You've got that many kids drinking. I don't know any kids drinking, but if you've got that many kids drinking, I kind of feel left out. I, I can go ahead and I can do a little bit of drinking. I'm not going to do it monthly because, man, that's too much. But if it's a couple times a year, I'm still better than who they're trying to tell me to be. So, so what you have to make sure to do is also say, you know, you've got your community who supports these kids who aren't drinking. Or, or um, thank you for setting a good example for the younger kids. Things like that. So it's making sure to, to properly frame and, and to be very careful. Um, and I think in your, in your electricity um, example, they actually had electricity use go up by the people who were being... Um, most resourceful with it by the people who were being most respectful with their electricity use, because all they were saying is um, the average uh, person in this neighborhood uses X amount of kilowatts per hour, or I don't remember how it was phrased, but it ended up going up for the people who were doing best. It went down for the people who were doing worst because they wanted to feel like they were more in line with the average, but you don't want to be, um, you don't want to be bringing down, a group who's really doing a good job, if right. that makes sense. 
Yeah, and I think uh, I heard it referenced too at uh, my table. They were talking about how at colleges there was a campaign that was done around students who were of the drinking age to say, you know, most students drink X amount of drinks or less in any given night, uh, trying to let the binge drinking um, people or know that, hey, your drinking is not normal. Um, they were trying yep. to hope that that would go down. But instead, they had the young person who maybe never drank or only had one drink at a sitting say, oh, wow, if most people are drinking two to three, I should drink more. And um, I thought that's so interesting and how important it is to, you know, really to frame your work. And it made me think of what what I need to do back home in our coalition, just making sure that we continue to let young people know that we're proud of them and uh, to make like their good choices heard and let them know that's something that's valuable, not just rattle off the stat. Absolutely. Um, I, th- I think the way that Jeff phrases it is X percent is not the message, right? Mm, that's you, so good. You, need, you need to make sure that your message is more than just a percentage. Um, and that example that you give, that's probably the best one out there. Um, yeah. You know, most people only have five drinks a night. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. I only have two. Maybe I can kick <laughs> it up a notch. You know, that that's not going to work. So you need to be smart about how you're framing uh, uh, your messages. Yeah. And then, so now I understand that you did some work directly with youth. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and just why it's so important to engage young people, you know, the target population that you're hoping to affect, but you want to involve them in the conversation and maybe some of the ways that you've done that? Yeah, so part of my, my role as coordinator is I'm to oversee um, student groups in our schools. And because our grant is really focused on uh, grades 7 through 12, we had kind of a natural you know segue. So we have a 7th and 8th grade um, student group, and then we have a, a, a 9 through 12 student group. And what we've, we've really focused on with them are a lot of leadership building. And, and probably the my favorite way that we've done that is something called upstander behavior. Okay. Uh, upstander, upstander behavior, you've heard of bystander behavior, you know, mm-hmm. don't be a bystander. Well, um, what they're starting to do, and this isn't a direct result of PCN, but I think it's kind of the way that the world is shifting right now. They realize that you don't want to tell people not to be a bystander. You want them, you want to tell them to be an upstander, right? Um, so, so the whole, the whole premise of being an upstander is, you acknowledge that something's wrong and you do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and when we talk about, you know, youth alcohol use or, you know, um, um, telling your friends that, that they don't need to go to a party, things like that. Right. The f- number one thing that we've found with our kids is that they just want permission. Mm-hmm. They just want to know that they're not going to be judged by their classmates if they stand up and do the right thing. And, and for me, that was, that was a revelation. And, and you touched on it a little bit earlier about, you know, consent. And, man, these kids, they all want to stand up, but they don't want to stand up because they feel like they're going to be judged. Mm-hmm. Yet, when you ask those same kids, would you judge somebody that stood up in this situation? They say no overwhelmingly. So mm-hmm. the, the, the support is there. The consent is there. The judgment is way down. We just need to let kids know that, and, and and that's 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 another huge goal of our some of our messaging right now. Um, 
one of the questions that we ask on our survey is, would you support a friend who chose not to go to a party? Um, and we have very strong numbers in that. So it's, it's really letting kids know that these, because there's these huge perception gaps, especially around substance use in, in our community. Mm. Um, so it, it's providing them with, with that consent, that permission to be an upstander. I love how you rewarded that to uh, be positive, like being, tell them what to do instead of what not to do. Funny, sad story. Um, the building that I used to work in, one of the problems I used to have was um, their toilets would get clogged all the time. And they put up a big sign that said, like, don't flush this and don't flush that and don't, don't, don't. And they used to complain all the time, we're still getting our toilet problems. And I said, I have an idea. What if we write, please only flush toilet paper, our toilets are sensitive. And it's been about two and a half years now, no toilet problems. And I think uh, it's isn't that so the truth? funny. <laughs> so funny, but it's, it's true. I mean, it seems so simple, but it really does work. I almost just said, I mean, I remember when I was that age, but I still feel that way. Like when someone tells me don't do something, it's not that I'm going to do it, but it's that I instantly just, I think of how I possibly could, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's so much more empowering if you can say, Hey, do this because, and then you provide a little bit of context of context on, on, on why too, instead of why not. It's, it's so (laughs) true. And I think the young person feels so much more respected uh, because when you're being told don't do something, I think your defense automatically goes up um, and all the excuses of, you know, that run through your head. But when you're told to do something in a positive way, it's such a different, different effect. Absolutely. So you said respected. Um, I, I just, I want to pull up something. So I, we run a leadership retreat with our kids um, every summer after school. Um, it's a three-day retreat. We take them to a camp. Um, we go through upstander behavior. We go through positive self-image and, and all of these things. And if, if there's one thing that I've really learned about the kids is, is how respected they feel when you, when you give them the free time, when you give them choices, when, when you're not just, you know, shaking a finger and telling them to sit still. So I just... I wanted to um, just share this little one with you. Um, So this is a feedback directly from uh, a student this year. The free time and self-confidence building piece is another thing that I liked. They were fun. I I got to spend time with friends. I like how open and free we get to be because it makes you feel responsible and trusted. Like that's, that's from a ninth grade kid. Um, Just so, and I think it all starts with our language um, in, in, in what we're doing. It's this PCN lens. It's, it's this PCN tongue that we have. I just think it, it's so empowering for kids, and they feel so much more open and, and ready to receive, you know, the good vibes, and, and they're ready to receive others. And, man, I, I just I can't say enough about the process. That's awesome. And believe it or not, we've already flown through our time. So if people want to know more about you, about your coalition, uh, how can we find you? And I can uh, link this in the show notes for those who are driving right now. Don't try to, you know, we'll, we'll break this down for you. But how can people find you? Yeah, that would be great. So we're just finally getting, um, I think our website is, is pretty well up and running now. So you can find the website. It's just rapidsrising.com. 
pretty straightforward. That's R-A-P-I-D-S-R-I-S-I-N-G dot com. Yep. 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 And then my, as far as my email goes, I I mean, I'd love to, um, I love getting ideas from other people. I I love learning from other people in my field. So um, definitely feel free to email me too. My email is N-A-D-A-M-S for Nick Adams. And that's at ISD318.org. Awesome. We'll put those in the show notes. And then I'm also going to include the show notes um, more about the positive community norms training so people can find out more about that. And I'm hoping uh, we're going to have some more folks um, that were some of the speakers at that training be on our podcast in the future for people who want to know more. I hope you I hope you do, because like I've like I've stressed, this is this is something I'm passionate about. And and I, I feel like this can be applied to so many different walks of life, so many different professions. So I'd really like to see uh, PCN and Science of the Positive continue to grow. Me too. Thanks, Nick. We appreciate it so much. And uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for all the work you do, Amanda. For more information from today's podcast, check out our show notes. There you can find our contact information, social media, and website. Please get in touch with us if you have any comments or questions. And if you like today's podcast, please share it with your friends. Thanks for listening.